No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that when Israel complained against God, he sent fiery serpents among them. But God already provided the way for them to be healed, and us as well. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Numbers chapter 21 on Simply the Bible. Today we come to one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament because it has so much to do with what we go through today. Aaron, the high priest, had just died and the children of Israel mourned for him for a month. According to Numbers 33:38, Aaron died in the fifth month of the 40th year after they left Egypt. About 38 years earlier, after they failed to go into the promised land because of their unbelief, God told them to head back into the wilderness. Instead, they decided to invade Canaan on their own. But the Amalekites and Canaanites drove them back as far as Hormah. Now they had come back to Hormah. After nearly 38 years of wandering, they returned to where they started. We pick it up in Numbers 21. The king of Arad, the Canaanite who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atharim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. It was deja vu all over again. Or was it? Something was different this time. Namely, they were in the will of God. All the older generation had passed away except for Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. They were coming back to the promised land at the commandment of the Lord. As soon as the Canaanites came out and started defeating them and even taking some of their own as prisoners, the children of Israel probably thought, Oh no, here we go again. We're in trouble. So they made a vow to the Lord. If you will deliver them into our hands, then we will destroy their cities. No doubt they were strongly motivated to free their brothers who were held captive. In making the vow to utterly destroy the Canaanites, they were obeying the commandment of the Lord. The source of boldness is knowing that you are where God wants you to be, doing what He wants you to do when He wants you to do it. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, then God and any one person form a majority. We are told that the Lord listened to the children of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites so that they utterly destroyed them. And that is how Hormah got its name, because Hormah means utter destruction. This was the first battle that the younger generation had fought. There would be many more battles to come. Verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. 
and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Earlier, Moses had asked the king of Edom if they could pass through his land by staying on the king's highway and not going into any field or vineyard, but the king of Edom refused. They had to follow a circuitous route around Edom, and now they were so close to entering the promised land, but it seemed like they were returning back to the wilderness again. It's sort of like almost getting home from a long trip only to have to take a hundred-mile detour. As they went near to the Red Sea, it was probably like they were going back to where they had started 40 years earlier. The people became very discouraged and began to complain. This was now the eighth time the people murmured against the Lord. It was the same old routine. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? But now they added another complaint. There is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Well, they did have food. They had the manna. But they were like, we don't want no manna anymore. You know, They called it a worthless bread, this manna from heaven. That was, in fact, sweet tasting and very nutritious. It had everything they needed to sustain life. But it is human nature to become discontent with our provision, whatever it may be. And we want more. We want what we don't have. Verse 6, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Fiery serpents probably meant that they were poisonous. Or maybe it described the burning sensation that the people felt after they were bitten. Many of the children of Israel died. Remember that they had become impatient with their circumstances. I am convinced that any time we become impatient, we get bitten by the serpent. Satan tempts us by drawing our attention away from what we have to what we don't have so that we lose our patience with God and the circumstances and disobey him by taking matters into our own hands. Then that old serpent bites us his venom burns. At first, many times it's a pleasurable burning of passion, but later it becomes the painful burning of regret. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now, you know, It was a good thing that they confessed their sin, finally. And to confess means to agree with God about it. And they did the right thing, going to Moses and asking Moses to pray to the Lord that the Lord would take away the serpents. I mean, Moses could have said, what? You're grumbling to me now after after all these times of your belly aching, you know? But Moses didn't do that. He prayed for the people just as they asked. And that's Really, what God requires of us, if we are bitten by the serpent, if we fall into sin, that we would simply own up to our sin and and confess it before the Lord. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, how ironic was this? Because the symbol of death, namely the serpent, would become the symbol of life. And the bronze serpent, bronze was the metal of judgment. It was the same metal that the burnt altar was made of, where they made their sacrifices. So how is it that this symbol of death could become the symbol of life? It was amazing because all they had to do was just to simply look up at it and they would live. Now, I can imagine this would have been hard for some people to believe. I mean, imagine if you were bitten by the serpent and you're just in pain, ready to die in your tent and your children happen to hear Moses talk about the fact that you could just look up at the serpent and be healed. And so they come running into their tent and tell her father, dad, dad, all you got to do is look up at the bronze serpent and you'll live, you know, and he could be thinking, what? It can't be that simple. But they keep trying to convince their dad because they want their dad to live. And so they open up the flap of the tent and say, look, dad, there it is. Look, look, you know. And so he looks up and sure enough, the pain starts going away and, and he starts getting stronger and pretty soon he's up and and he's okay, you know, and but it took the look of faith. Now, all of this pointed to yet another event. Because in John chapter 3, we're told of a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for nobody can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you marvel that I said to you, you must be born again? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3.13, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course, Jesus spoke of himself being lifted up on the cross. And whoever simply looks upon him in faith will be saved from their sins. We would not dare make this comparison if Jesus himself hadn't done it. The serpent on the pole represented 
Jesus Christ on the cross. How can this be? We're told in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ knew no sin, but God made him to become sin for us, so that by believing in him, we may become the righteousness of God. And God judged all our sins, all of our sins for all time when Jesus died on the cross. But not only did he judge sin, he also judged that old serpent, the devil. Because we are told that Jesus triumphed over the powers of darkness, making a public spectacle of them. Christ crushed the serpent's head. Now what must we do to be saved? We must just confess our sins and look up and see Jesus on the cross dying for our sins and believe. And if we will do that, we will live both now and for eternity. Remember this whenever you sin, whenever you are bitten by the serpent, you need to only look up and see Jesus and believe that he died for your sin, for that sin that you just committed, and you will live. He became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God in him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to any previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com, click on Program Archives, and scroll down to Simply the Bible. Next week, we'll see that as the children of Israel advanced toward the promised land, they were met by their enemies, but Israel defeated them. This gives us encouragement in the battles that we face, and we hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Numbers on Simply the Bible.